0: guys welcome to seeking what they sought my name is jesse i'm here with uh sean and anthony and natalie is our guest today natalie derisme who is a uh pastor in the washington conference now natalie i was just remembering that um so the three of us the three of us guys went to auburn academy you went to puget sound adventist academy meaning that in all actuality we are we are complete rivals in fact we shouldn't even be talking to each other we shouldn't even be talking right now this is yeah and uh, So Natalie went to PSA and then uh we all went to Walla Walla around the same time. I think you we were probably what a year or two behind us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh did behind, theology. Yeah. yeah. So like we kind of knew each other from college there. And then uh and then you and I have served um in the Washington Conference together for a long time until the recently I come I came down here to California. But um uh was just uh we were just talking about how you're now at the church where I started out in my yeah. old office. Um, and so you've replaced me, Natalie, Yeah, it's wild. probably, <laughs> probably for good reason. I, yeah, <laughs> it, that was my year coming out of, out of college where I was like, I'm pretty sure that I know, I know more than I, I like, I'm pretty sure I'm like God's gift to Adventism. I wouldn't oh. have said that, but I probably felt that. That was Jesse's and, angst year. No, it wasn't, it wasn't angst. It was <laughs> like, like, just give me a shot and I'll change everything. And then I had yeah. no work ethic and I had no, uh, no, like I was like no follow through any of that. So I feel that, bad. That for still, a isn't, lot that still hasn't now. changed, but you know. it actually has a lot, Sean, since I've had two kids, uh, mm, that, that totally forces. changes you, it forces you, it forces you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, anyways, that's kind of the funny stuff, but now <laughs> we're really glad you're on the podcast. Um, how long have you been pastoring for now?
1: I've been pastoring since 2016. So I started in January of 2016. You can do the math based on whatever you're listening to this of how long I've been pastoring now. So what is so, that? About
0: eight years? Yeah. Uh, uh, seven years, eight years almost. Um, so let's just kind of go back to the beginning. Did you, did you grow up Adventist?
1: I did. Yeah. I was born into a Seventh-day Adventist family. My parents grew up Seventh-day Adventist. I think it was in my grandparents' generation where they converted into the Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, but even then, they were from Christian backgrounds. So I feel very, very seeped in, <laughs> in Adventism. <laughs> yeah.
0: And what was that experience like growing up for you in Adventism? Like, was it was it a overall positive experience? Was there some stuff about it that was just like you look back and you're like, oh, that was really negative? Or what, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, I think as a kid. I derived a lot of my identity from what I'll call Adventist culture, like being mm. a cultural Adventist, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. almost all of my friends were also, some would say, Adventists from mm-hmm. my church, or they were kids of my parents' friends that were also Adventists from area churches. And so pretty much everything in my life as a child was connected to adventism somehow except for in mm-hmm. my neighborhood that's pretty mm-hmm. much the only space that wasn't adventist because the schools that i went to all the way through my master's degree everything mm-hmm. has been seventh-day adventist education which has been great um but i i've realized like everywhere i have worked everywhere i've been involved with serving or doing volunteer work mm-hmm. it's all been adventism and most of yeah. my friends growing up seventh-day Adventist. so as a kid, I think I saw it very positively because I didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I wonder if I had been born into a different religion or a different version of Christianity, how would I look at Seventh-day Adventists? What would mm-hmm. I think about the church, mm-hmm. um, this church and this denomination? And it's fun to think that way. But I, I realize that a lot of who I am today is the result of growing up Seventh-day Adventist and choosing to wrestle with my own faith and then deciding, yeah, I'm going to stick with this. It makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. Would you say you grew up uh, in a, in a traditional space or was it maybe more like a centrist or, or liberal?
1: Um, I think I grew up more on the traditional side, not yeah. like ultra conservative or anything, but mm-hmm. more traditional than some areas of Adventism probably.
0: Yeah. So coming out of that, um, why did you decide to, uh, what made you decide that you were going to uh, adopt the, uh, the role of, I'm going to be a female pastor someday <laughs> and just, you know, disappoint <gasps> all of my traditional friends. No, i just There it
2: is. You, you, you thwarted the, the patriarchy. Identity. You decided to go either. against what you were taught and brought up. <laughs> I know. So yeah. Like what's your man. story funny there?
1: Part. This is the funny part is that, Although a lot of areas of my life were pretty traditional in Adventism, I literally never knew that there was an issue with females being pastors until I was like a senior in high school. That's the first time that I remember ever finding out about that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just because my parents very intentionally sheltered me from those toxic areas of the church. I don't know. Or if it's just like it just never came up in conversation. I'm not sure. Because Mm. I think back on my childhood and it was completely within the Washington conference. That's where I grew up in Washington state, close to Seattle area. And I maybe saw a few female pastors that worked in the conference through things like going to camp meeting or Mm -hmm. maybe hearing a guest speaker once in a while. Um, And one of our pastors, his wife, became commissioned during the time that they were at our church so Mm. thinking back it's like okay yeah I guess maybe I did see a few female pastors but at the time like as a kid it's just not something I even really thought about because most of the pastors that I had a relationship with or was mentored by were men
3: but Mm. it was never Mm. like an
1: issue it was just kind of like in my mind I thought of a pastor and in my mind that picture would usually be a guy Mm -hmm. but I didn't really ever think about like oh, girls, some people say girls can't do that job. Like,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. I
1: just never thought about it. Um, so it was in high school that I kind of started to have to wrestle with that. And if you want, I can launch into that story. Um,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. No, tell us how yeah. you became a heretic and decided to yeah. go against the word of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how I became the devil incarnate.
3: Yeah,
0: exactly. Been called
1: a couple of times. Wow.
3: Really? Um, wow. Oh yeah.
2: In, in person, nice. like directly, not like through an like email to your face? or.
1: I think maybe only once in person. Mostly, it's been like either wow. handwritten letters or emails, though. <laughs>
4: she that said that once in like person, to, as if that's a normal thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. That's Just horrible. once.
1: It's the weird (laughs) part of the job. Yeah. um, So I, as a kid growing up Seventh-day Adventist, I'll start there. I was, I think, very in tune with like, God has a plan for your life kind of messaging. And Jesus loves Mm -hmm. you so much. And kind of the missional message that Adventism tends to have of kind of like, you're meant to like go out into the world and do something great and Mm. make a difference in people's lives. I very much... Grasped onto that as a kid. And I think thankfully, like, because I did have good parents and grew up in a loving, safe home environment where my faith and the way that they taught it to me was healthy and it wasn't like bad in any way or something, because all of those pieces of my life were healthy, Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with a really good relationship with God and relationship to the church and wrestling with my faith and stuff and felt like it was okay to ask questions. And so all through my grade school years, I was exploring, kind of like mm-hmm. exploring my own relationship with God and what is God's plan for my life. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of what I I believe
3: mm-hmm.
1: are miracle experiences that happened in my life um, mm-hmm. that really just kind of opened my eyes to God's existence, if that makes sense. And it was sort of in my like middle school years where I remember that transition happening in my brain from like, okay, this is my parents' faith and these things I've been taught Mm -hmm. to, oh, I get to decide if I actually believe this stuff for myself. I get to choose if I believe that God is real or not. And so through middle school, kind of sixth, seventh, eighth grade is when I remember just deeply wrestling with it and like, at night before bed in my room, I'd be like reading through all these different Bible passages and kind of trying to proof text myself, if that makes sense. Like yeah. ask hmm. questions and then figure out if if what I believe is actually true is actually real. And so I spent a couple years in that age range of just really wrestling with the Adventist version of Christianity specifically hmm. Hmm. and deciding for myself if it was something that I wanted to believe in and if I really believed that God was real and actually working actively in my life. Mm-hmm. And for me, I came to the conclusion that, yes, that was true. And I felt mm-hmm. like God was real and that he He is an active part of my life, that I could have this personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I had powerful moments um, in my relationship with Jesus at that age that kind of, I think, solidified for me that yes, I want to serve God going forward in my life.
0: What mm, career yeah. at
1: that point? I had no idea, but that's where I think the spark happened for me. Yeah. If that makes mm. sense, that's so, the I age. Mean, yeah.
0: I mean, if you're if you've been spending two years studying your Bible, I think that you're. I mean, it sounds like you're going to be a pastor. Sorry, I <laughs> like. It's that's well, just. So, yeah. I, <laughs> I was gonna say
4: you said you were struggling. You were wrestling with like the Adventist version of of. You know Christianity, and I was just imagining like sixth grade Natalie, like in her room, like with all these charts, like the Illuminati <laughs> guy in that <laughs> GIF with the Illuminati. Like, okay, so if this verse says this, there's a 2,300 day prophecy, uh, 1844, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> oh my
2: goodness <laughs> that that maker that maker a true Adventist if she I mean, was That doing. is true. That, yeah that's that. what it means to be an Adventist
4: that'd be the most yeah. Adventist thing. I see
2: the, uh, the char- <laughs> I Do you remember it's the that? Charlie Day thing?
1: Some of that, but. Um, I think it was more, for me, it was like, oh, I want to prove that like the Sabbath is right. And
0: oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Ah, okay. Not so much like. I mean, that sounds yes. right. Yeah. That's. Yeah. 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 yeah, For right. that
1: age, like a little 12 year old, that's what was important to me. It was like, yeah. is the right. Sabbath the, the real day of worship or not?
4: <laughs> All the adults are right. Yeah. Wait, yeah. So <laughs> then
0: like, did you have a moment where you'd say you felt a call? I mean, that's, that's a mm-hmm. part of a lot of pastor stories. Was there a moment for you where I mean, obviously you heard it wrong because you're a woman and you can't be a pastor, <laughs> but I mean, like, was there a... clearly <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna keep making those jokes just because yep. all of <laughs> the devil you know I have loved being your your uh your uh coworker oh, yeah. in the We've past, had some but no, fun
1: chats. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but uh yeah, was there a moment for you where like you felt
1: Yeah a call? So yeah. And this is where when I was thinking about what I wanted to share today, I was like, Well, do you want the three hour version or <laughs> right. The like twenty minute version, so I'll kind of try and distill it down. But um, I think the miracle experience for me in my middle school years is what kind of started it for me because I had a moment where like I I could have been hit by a car, but I felt like a like I don't know if it was an angel or something like pushed me back off mm-hmm. of the road Dang. and yeah. And I've talked about that story a little bit before. It actually happened here at the Auburn Academy campus during
4: camp oh, man. meeting. Wow! So oh, man.
1: it's kind of coming full circle. <laughs> wow. like so we're you're
4: saying the, the the reckless drivers of, of Adventist camp? Oh meeting yeah. almost, let me
1: call them out. <laughs> Almost
4: got L- you. Listen,
2: I'll tell you what. This isn't the first story I've heard like that from Auburn camp meeting. I mean, people are wild. I've heard so many stories, but no, I love Auburn yeah. camp meeting. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dissing <laughs> on Auburn. Uh, just oh, I've got I, some. I we we. We all grew up at Auburn camp meetings. So yeah. we have so many stories probably of the adventures of that, but yep. yeah, keep going. Me too. Yep.
1: So that's, yeah, that, that was one moment that just after that I had this sit down conversation with my grandma, my very mm. sweet grandma, who's been an Adventist teacher all her life. And she talked to me about, and this was like around, like, I think this was between fifth grade and sixth grade in the summer. Mm. And she talked to me about how like God cares about me and mm. he created me and oh, we have angels that protect us and those sorts of Mm. things. And so it kind of made me feel like, oh, like God actually knows who I am.
3: Mm -hmm. Like little Natalie,
1: random of all the people on this earth, like he knows me. And Mm -hmm. so that's when I, how I mentioned before, when I started kind of diligently, like studying the Bible for myself, I got baptized after that. And after I got baptized, I had some really solid mentorship and discipleship I think Mm. from my general Adventist community, um, the pastors of my local church were always intentional in talking to me. Um, Shout out to Pastor Malin from Bellevue. (laughs) I remember he was one of the pastors that was really intentional in encouraging me, lifting me up. My Pathfinder Mm. Club at the time, I think the adults that were involved in that could see something in me. And so they were also intentional about giving me opportunities to serve, letting me do worship talks, letting me yeah. try stuff, do sermons for church, that sort of thing. And so for those late grade school years and kind of it transitioned into early high school, I just had a lot of opportunities to share my faith in some way, to lead in religious spaces to lead in my church and help out in some way. And all of those things led to in high school, I started thinking about the job of what a pastor does. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I had like one specific moment where it was like, God was telling me very clearly, like you will be a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had kind of like a series of small things that built up to that call, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so throughout yeah. high school, just with all the different ways I was involved in campus ministries, involved in stuff at my church, um, speaking and preaching a lot. I I was asked a lot if I had been thinking about becoming a pastor. And so then I had to wrestle with it like, well, would yeah. I want to become a pastor? What do pastors even do? I didn't know at the yeah. time. <laughs> what does a pastor <laughs> right. do other than preach at church? Um, yeah. And so that's kind of the age where I was starting to think more seriously about like, would I want to do this for a career? Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. then from there, like you went to, you, you went into college at Walla Walla, I did theology, came out, got hired by Washington, by the Washington Conference. And, um,
4: sorry, Jesse, can we just pause right there? Cause no. nat- we had mentioned <laughs> earlier that Natalie, you were maybe like a year behind us or something like that, or two. I, I don't know how many, but I did actually didn't know that because when I became theology, I was just like, man, Natalie's like the, she's like the queen of the theology department. She's like <laughs> the poster child. Like that's literally how I viewed you. I was like, natalie is like she can do no wrong she's amazing at everything and i'm like hopefully one day i can be a theology major like her like <laughs> i remember <laughs> that being the vibe at the time <laughs>
1: <laughs> so <laughs> so it's always it's interesting looking back um mm-hmm. on your former self and i think how this connects to our topic of like thinking about what a seventh day avenus is and kind of delving into that um Here's where the story connects for me with my Adventist identity, I suppose. Uh, Because once I made that decision of, okay, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be a theology major. At the time, I was an overachiever, so I was a nursing and theology major.
3: Oh, I I forgot
2: about that. My little
1: tangent for that is that I really wanted to do (laughs) medical mission work. And so I thought those two paired really well for that. I don't know if I will ever do mission work anymore, <laughs> but at the time that was my like big goal. So I was like, nursing and theology, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I once I committed to that pastor thing, I think like many new converts or people who are young pastors or new to faith, you get very zealous about it, right? And I think that's what I was experiencing in my early college years was like, okay, I am very zealous about the faith. I'm super Mm -hmm. into this stuff. Like I'm going to be the best pastor out there. I'm going to be the like most amazing speaker. And so I had all these like high standards that I wanted to reach all these goals I wanted to accomplish. But I think a lot of it at the time for me was rooted in pride, which I didn't realize Mm -hmm. back then. But since being in ministry for a little while, I've been humbled and I've also read a Mm. lot about or learned a lot about how um, sometimes people with narcissistic tendencies get drawn to careers like pastoring where you can be upfront Mm. a lot. And so I think it's a common career for people to, if they go into it, to struggle with pride, like most Mm. likely at some Mm. point as a pastor, you're going to struggle with being prideful about your own accomplishments.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And,
1: I think that I was in that weird phase in my early college years where I was very strongly feeling God's call and I was trying to respond to that call to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. But I was also internally struggling with feeling like I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. Um, and like very with personal stuff, feeling like I will never measure up and be good enough. And the outcome of that was like, let me prove myself and be the best that I can be and show everybody that i meant to do this and show everyone that God did call me.
3: Mm. And I think
1: since you mentioned like the female pastor side of that, I think that played into it as well. Like, well, as a woman, like I've got to show them I can do this and that I can do Mm. it well and that God Mm. is working in my life. And so it's not Mm -hmm. that God wasn't working through me at that phase and all the different things that were going on, but I think he knew I had a lot of growing to do. (laughs) Mm. And yeah, And so it's always funny to me when people talk about, me in my college years at Walla mm-hmm. Walla, because I look back on myself of like, oh man, I was not <laughs>
3: humble.
1: And <laughs> this...
0: I, th- I think we all do. In our, I think yeah. we all look back and we're just like, yikes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, like, just it's to funny. just to tag off what you're saying there, Natalie. I yeah, I I would have never have said this before it happened, but I do think that there needs to be almost like a breaking of most people who enter pastoring. Mm. Like if you don't have wow. a moment where you you're absolutely broken, like you, you, and what I mean broken is like, you've been pushing your way all, like all this time. And then God just kind of allows you to get to this place where you just break yourself to on, the end of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You break yourself on like your pathway and then, and then you fall apart and you're like, what the heck do I do now? And then God rebuilds you and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I feel so much more like myself. I feel like I'm in such a better space. Like in my, when I say relationship, I don't, I don't mean like the general term, like, like, uh, in like almost the hierarchy between me and God. Like, oh yeah, like God's reestablished up there. (laughs) I'm, I'm where I should be, you know, sort of thing. Like, unless that happens, I think that I've seen plenty of people who are maybe in that really, they seem narcissistic. They seem like they're just going for it in pastoring, and I'm like, I don't know if you've ever had that, and uh, and you might benefit from it. But this is sort of an aside yeah. to what, to what you were saying. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But so then you you come out of you come out of uh, uh, college, you get a job. Now you're pastoring. Uh, you know, you're a professional uh, a minister in, in this in uh, in the Washington Conference. If I could just ask you, I think this is something that a lot of people have wonder about and maybe have heard stories about, but like there's obviously a lot of good like you still wouldn't be here you wouldn't still be here if if there wasn't a lot of good, but your experience as a as a pastor and as a female, putting those two things together makes unique unique things come about. What are some of the things if maybe I could just start out with with we'll get to the goods like like the, the stuff that's positive, <laughs> but like let's just start out with maybe some of like the What's some of those things that you've experienced in your time as a pastor that maybe Anthony and I would just be like, what? We we would never Mm -hmm. have been faced Mm -hmm. with that.
1: Where do I start? (laughs) This, so sadly, I think any, any difficult experience that I have been through as a female pastor specifically is not unique to me is what I've discovered, is most of the stuff that I've been through, once I reach out to other female pastors, shout out to Jen Woody, who's been a great mentor Mm -hmm. of mine. She's great. um, And some other awesome female pastors, they've all been through this stuff too. Um, Also, some of the things I've experienced might also be coupled with the fact that I'm young Mm. and I look pretty young. I look younger than I am maybe. And so those two things together have created some difficulty, but hmm. some of the stuff I've experienced, I mean, just last year I had to go to court for a stalking situation with somebody in my church. Right, um, And that's not that's the first stalker I've had. It's just the most extreme I've had about, I think four or five no, now, I'm probably You've had forgetting one. But...
4: Four or five no. stalkers in <laughs> starting, your life, starting oh my from
1: college. Yeah, from Walla Walla wow. on, there was one at Walla Walla that started that the stalking kind of happened after he found out who I was in college, and then the stalking mm-hmm. happened afterwards uh, when I was at Puyallup. Mm. But thankfully, I had some good help to get through that one. Um, but yeah, almost I think like every single church i've been in so far there's been some sort of stalking where a male gets just kind of obsessed with Yikes. the role of a female pastor for some reason and convinced mm. that god has like told them to marry you or or some wow. weird crazy thing nice. and yeah regardless, well, god like, obviously, the age like
0: god told him natalie i mean like oh, why, yeah, why yes. are you fighting <laughs>
1: the emails I could show
0: you. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, is it, is it that's always, I mean, like in those situations with stalkers, like is it, is it, is it always like they have a positive, and I, I don't mean it positive, like good, but they have like a positive view of you and therefore they want to, that's why they want, they, they want to be with you. Or is it, or is it, um, has it ever been like there's like the negative, uh, uh, the negative side of like here. you're a female pastor i need to tell mm-hmm. you i need to like make you see that that's not right or that god oh interesting i don't know if it's like, yeah, what's, you in my
1: case i think it's been more of like the positive but in a weird way yeah i just want to be
0: positive like it's to them like they view you positively yeah, as opposed yeah. to negatively and yeah.
1: not every one of them has been super like romantic in the sense that like they are romantically obsessed with me most of them Mm -hmm. have a tinge of that some of them more than others the worst one um on that side is not the one I actually had to go to court for but he was an an older guy much older than I am who like my dad's age (laughs) who was believing that he was supposed to marry me but also a little misogynistic in that like he also thought that he had theology to teach me and that oh, I wow. was going to be the nice. pastor that would like spread his message sort of thing. Oh, so, no, oh so wow. there's just some this. wacky, wacky <clears throat> wow.
2: stuff out there. Natalie,
0: you missed out. You could have been like the voice. You could have been like the prophetic oh, yeah. voice of somebody.
4: That's, that's what he <laughs> <you> thought. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, oh, my word. <laughs> wow. Yikes, yikes, yeah, Yeah, there have
1: been some weird situations like that that you have to deal with.
4: Um, with the with I the think, most recent... Like, Oh, Sorry to, to interrupt. With your most recent, like court scenario, you know, share whatever you feel comfortable. But w- was that kind of similar, or was that that one a little different?
1: Um, that one was a little different because the reason I had to go to court was more for f- fear of physical safety. So I had to get like a um, protection order uh, wow. because of the just the way he would. I want to be careful how I talk about it, but mm-hmm. the way he would show up at our church. Um, It wasn't, I think what got me, and this is so scary, is like, I feared more for other people and my church's safety Mm -hmm. than just my own. I think the Mm -hmm. sad piece is I didn't, because I'm so used to this, Mm -hmm. I didn't take it seriously soon enough. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: once it got to the point where it was affecting my members and scaring members in my church, that's when I was like, oh, I think I need to do something. And when like my elders Mm -hmm. were saying like, hey, this is, this is really a problem. How can we support you and help you? Like, Mm -hmm. that's when I realized, Oh, I might actually have to like do something legally about this. Um, And that's the sad part about it. I think is like female pastors, we face so much of this stuff. We just kind of get used to it and it can be easy to just kind of be like, Oh, well it just comes with a job. It's just part of it. Oh, it's happened before I'll get through this. Fine. And not take dangerous situations as seriously as you should.
4: Dang. That's really crazy so, that you I were learned. at the point where you were. It's so normalized for you that it took even more, like it, like you said, like affecting other people, for you to say, "Oh, maybe this isn't." Yeah, maybe this has mm-hmm. to stop. But that's really, like, I'm so sorry. Like that's, that's, Jesse and I haven't not experience that.
0: I mean, <laughs> I've had to sue a couple of people because they weren't paying paying tithe but I mean <laughs> other, other than that uh, oh, yikes. <laughs> no I mean that's but that's what's crazy is like because for you it has to go to, it has to go past that space of like, mm-hmm. oh, these people are just problematic in the church. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. a personality they have yeah. you know they have an agenda, whatever it is. And so we as a church have to deal with this too like this is mm-hmm. directly around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of Threading just who you are, as opposed to like your just your role or right, just yeah. your like your position in that church,
1: because every so pastor, yeah, yeah, deals with some crazy thing like that or yeah. members that are problematic and cause issues like that. Like mm-hmm. every pastor has those stories. And so I think for me, what has been hard has been differentiating ugh, differentiating between yeah. who are those ones that every pastor has to deal with one or two of these? Versus who are the ones that are more on the dangerous side specifically because I'm a female and yeah. are coming mm-hmm. at me for that reason?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, that's probably what's, like the most extreme example of something mm. that I've had to deal with as a female pastor.
0: Wow, <laughs> what's some of like the day to day stuff, or maybe you know, it's maybe it's not like the extremes yeah. of those situations, but just some of the stuff that like. I mean, maybe you get used to it. Um, not that you should, but like you get used to it or it's just that, you know, maybe yeah. it's not day to day or maybe it's like, uh, you know, every so often you're experiencing mm-hmm. somebody saying something or doing something that like, you're just like, yeah, no, that's because I'm, that's yeah, because that's I'm a woman. You know, I
3: think the
1: most common thing is not respecting, I guess, my pastoral authority, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I mm, never yeah. want to put myself on a pedestal as a pastor. Like, I think it's really yeah. important to, to remember like all of us pastors, we're normal people, just like Mm -hmm. everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like God's called us, sure, but God calls everybody just different things. And so I don't wanna put myself on a a pedestal, but I I have struggled, I think sometimes to be treated respectfully in the workplace, in my workplace, Mm -hmm. which is the church Mm -hmm. setting. And so in meetings, even if I'm the one leading or chairing the meeting, getting talked over is pretty common. Mm -hmm. I've been yelled at a surprising number of times.
4: Really? Um, oh, really? Like, yeah,
1: just kind of being talked down to a lot is really common. Mm, oh my
0: gosh.
1: Acting like, kind of people acting like I don't know what I'm doing or I'm, yeah. I'm smart enough or I don't have the knowledge or whatever. And it's always funny because it's like, no, mm-hmm. I've studied this for like, I don't even know how many years now. And yeah. I have a master's degree. Right. Like, I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. Sure, I'm young. And I recognize that I've got growing to do and maturing to do. And in yeah. 20 years, I'll know a lot more. But that's that's the most frustrating and difficult thing on a week-to-week basis is there's pretty pretty often where I feel like I've been disrespected. Um, and again, sometimes I feel like maybe it's more just because I'm a young pastor more than just being a female mm. pastor, but that's
0: hard to but, tell. But it's also yeah, a bit different. Because, yeah. I don't know if go. it's just that. Because yeah. yeah. True. I've been a young pastor and I you know I was an idiot in a lot of ways and didn't wouldn't but I mean it's just like you get that benefit of the doubt because of of uh yeah maybe the inherent way that some people look at you know a man and and the role mm-hmm. they're used to that, whatever it is. Um and uh yeah, I never I've never had anybody yell at me.
4: Yeah. I'm thinking ever. I don't
0: I don't know if I've what? ever had that happen.
4: I've never had a church member yell at me. I'm shocked. And I, I was gonna say Natalie. That. Wow! Yeah, See, no. this is really exposing the disparity here because I was going to say that since being, I'm almost done with my MDiv, so I'll be done in August. And um, at my new church in Texas, I remember feeling like during my interview process, this level, this new level of like respect and mm-hmm. pastoral um I don't I don't know what it is, but yeah, well, how you said it, like respect for pastoral authority that people had for me that I, I wasn't even used to because I've been a mm. young pastor who just did undergrad as just like you. Um, but something about having my master's and having gone to Andrew's, people elevate a little bit. There's a bit mm. more and I, I was I was feeling that kinda of, I've been feeling that um recently, um, for better or for worse. And but the fact that you're saying what you're saying, <laughs> that you've been yelled at, talked over. All these things, I'm I'm thinking back and I'm like, even as like a twenty three year old pastor, I don't think I've ever been yeah no, yelled no. at or
3: wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so so what I'm curious about, Natalie, is do you think
0: oh, yeah, that, that is here. just a sorry, he's yeah. a teacher. <laughs> I forgot. <still laughs> forget. I forget that By he was even way. part of this. Bible teacher. Um, we don't want no. to elevate ourselves. I agree with you, Natalie. But I mean, when we compare like pastors to <laughs> teachers, like there's definitely like a little bit of a hierarchy there. So oh, just yeah,
2: there, there is sure. a hierarchy. Some of us work every day, while some of you work once a week. Um, but anyway, no. So no. so, so right. uh, but but Natalie, it, as a serious question though, when you look at mm. your experience and we talk about this disparity, do you think that that comes with? just the role of being, like you said, being young and, and even just being a woman pastor, the, the association, you know, and that's not just an Adventism, you know, that there's, there's other denominations obviously that, that do not allow women's ordination um, or even if they do, it's still young enough or fresh enough that culturally that's still an uphill battle um, in many ways. So my question is, do you feel that within Adventism specifically is it just a cultural thing that you know some people it's just hard for them to accept your authority as a as a pastor and and what your role is as someone called into this specific role of ministry, or do you think that it's possible that within the teachings of the church, the actual structure of the church, the foundation of what Adventism is, it's lent itself to mm-hmm. this problem where you're getting yelled at, where you're you're we have this yeah. disparity. Is that core to Adventist DNA, or is that just a a human problem within Adventism. Hmm.
1: That's really good <laughs> because I think the kind part of me wants to brush over it and say, no, we're just all human. People just have a hard time.
4: We but... want hardcore Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell um... us the
0: truth. <laughs> he it, you tell the Heavy the truth. metal. Let's go.
1: But I do think because of the way our church systemically on a worldwide level treats women in leadership, because of that, for people who are either fully against it or who are on the fence and haven't made up their mind about it, or even the ones who think they're supportive but have never had to actually work with a female pastor, that group, all of those people, struggle I think to treat female pastors with respect Mm -hmm. and I think that that's that last one that I named is the one that I've experienced the most in a surprising way is meeting Mm -hmm. people who will say with their words that they're supportive of female pastors and oh yeah I'm okay with women being pastors that's fine Mm
3: -hmm. but then
1: the way that they treat you says otherwise and reveals that, like, that they haven't wow. ever worked with a female pastor or don't really understand what that's like
0: yeah what's what's like a an example of behavior in that in that context just like to kind of add some color to the nuance of that
1: yeah so <laughs> here's something funny here's the funny example that I always give is mm-hmm. that i once entered a church where they they said they were supportive of a female pastor and their idea to make me feel welcome was to, as they were setting up my office, my new office was to turn the desk so that it would face like away from the window. So you wouldn't look in the window to the pastor's office and look underneath the desk because they said, well, then no one will see the pastors, see her legs because, you know, women only wear skirts and right.
4: <laughs> it just what? was one of those
1: moments where, when they told me about this, I was like, "Well, I know you were trying to be sweet,
3: yeah, so yeah. to be
1: thoughtful, <laughs> but no, it didn't work. Yeah. Like, it just—it <laughs> right. was an example to me of like a moment, a funny moment where like people thought they were being supportive of the new female pastor, yeah. but mm-hmm. it kind of didn't didn't work that way for me because i'm like i obviously women don't only wear dresses and skirts all the time and even when i do i don't really care that you can see my ankles oh no (laughs) so scandalous right (laughs)
0: so (laughs) Yeah. See, Anthony has been wearing some pants where they like cut off at his ankles. And I've been trying to tell him this whole time, like you're, you're getting, you're making people sin by looking at- You're going down
2: a slippery slope. Exactly. But he won't listen
0: to me. So, Um, no, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's such a weird dichotomy to experience because on the one hand it's like, oh, it's really nice. Like they, like that, that weird thing of like, their heart isn't the right place, right place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're trying. but it's just sort of like, oh, okay, well, we still yeah. got to, we got to, we still got to get through some stuff here. Yeah. That's, yeah. Cause that's it's stuff.
1: like in that moment, what it showed me is like, they're not actually thinking about what the real difficulties are that a female pastor oh, has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the moment where someone's looking in and seeing your legs or something. Like the real difficulties a female pastor faces are like, okay, in the board meeting, are you as a church leader going to back up your female pastor when someone is talking over her? Or are you going to have her back in moments when she needs it? Are you going to be watching out in your church for who the stalkers might be or who the Mm -hmm. creepers are that are going to come up and say inappropriate comments? Are you knowing ahead of time before she gets to your church Who the people are that have an issue with females and leadership, so that you can stop that behavior before she comes and and has to deal with it all alone Mm -hmm. by herself.
4: Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, that stuff. That stuff takes work. It's way easier to do. You know, it's the same thing as like a brand changing. You know, you know their Mm -hmm. their their marketing picture for Juneteenth or something. It's way easier to do some sort of performative. Whatever, yep. than actually address the thing, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> with with all of that being said, um, Natalie, it's this it's this interesting space that you inhabit because you're you're a pastor. You are supported by the local conference um, and the union, I believe, and um, and there is uh, obviously support for you being a pastor at, at the local level, even past the conference, like in churches, because um, they they want you there. Uh, and yet there's this distance between your existence at the local level and the and the worldwide um denomination in its statements on on women in ministry. And so, like, we just want to ask you the question, since we're doing this series called What is an Adventist, we wanted to talk to you for for a few reasons, not just because you're a female pastor, but because um you you're someone that I have known to be someone who is dedicated to Adventism, but is also just as you talked about, you've grown a lot in your own, like what that expression looks like and how you hold that. Um, And then second, also in your unique space compared to us, your unique space as 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 a female in ministry, having to deal with this dichotomy of this church that you love. And yet if it wasn't for maybe a couple levels of that organization, you couldn't do what God had called you to do. Because of that, and so it's sort of like, well, first of all, what is your definition of an Adventist? And then after that, maybe if we could get into like, well, then yeah, who gets to define what an Adventist is? So let's just start off with that that first part. Like, what is an Adventist to you?
1: Good questions. <laughs> I think it's it's easy to define a Seventh Day Adventist based on like, oh well, these are our fundamental beliefs. Um, yeah, but. This maybe is my westernized view showing, but I think for me, if someone believes that they are a Seventh-day Adventist and they choose to align themselves with the Seventh-day Adventist church and Seventh-day Adventist faith and they identify with that, then they are one. Um, And this sounds funny to say maybe to some Adventists, but I think that that could be the case regardless of... Have they become a baptized member or profession of faith? Because in our church, that's typically the way that you like officially enter the Seventh-day Adventist church. Yeah. is either right. You're baptized and then you have official membership in the church that allows you to serve in offices in your church and have responsibility. Um, or if you've been baptized in another denomination to join by profession of faith in your local church and transfer your membership there or whatever. That's kind of like the traditional route of what we often do. Uh, But I've met a lot of people who maybe grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and maybe they don't attend every week anymore. But if you ask them about their faith and what they believe spiritually, they'd say, oh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, um, and they identify with it. And, And a lot of times, like the typical things that draw us together are like, oh, well, we worship on Saturday, the Sabbath. And mm-hmm. kind of like the five S's, if you've heard those talked about, um, yeah, state of the dead, like, oh, I don't believe people just go straight to hell when they die. <laughs> Some of that kind of yeah. stuff, um, I think, draws mm. us together. But I also think a huge piece of being an Adventist is the cultural side of it, mm. um, is mm. that we have a way of doing life where we live in a very connected community. And Mm. that's, I think, one of Mm -hmm. the beautiful things about Adventism, but we also have to be careful to make sure we don't only associate with ourselves. (laughs) But we have Mm -hmm. this huge community that stretches worldwide where you can go to pretty much any Seventh-day Adventist church anywhere in the world get talking with someone and you'll find out that you have a mutual friend or that you're Mm -hmm. related somehow, or you know someone. (laughs) The degrees of separation are small. it's this big world wide web that's very connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, growing up, I always thought that that was one of the coolest things about being an Adventist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to put words in your mouth, um, Natalie, and this isn't a loaded question or anything like that, but it sounds to me Like for you, Adventism is more about being part of a community as opposed to like the specific doctrinal statements of belief. And I don't, I'm not saying that you're dismissing that, the doctrinal statements of belief, as much as what you were saying sounds like that. Good
1: clarification question.
0: Yeah, like what are your thoughts? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm I again, this is not a loaded question. I'm not even going in any direction. I thought it I thought it was interesting that you described it that way because there are like we talked with a guy who's an ex-Adventist. And mm-hmm. uh and his whole thing is like if you don't believe in the 28 fundamentals as they're written, then you're, you're not Adventist, really an Adventist Light. You know, yeah. like you're not actually an Adventist. But it sounds like for you <laughs> it's it's almost more of like the family experience of Adventism as opposed to that sort of like Yeah that sort of doctrine, it has to be doctrinal.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and you had mentioned something earlier too about like how someone you talked with had had mentioned that like, unless you believe every single one of those things mm-hmm. in the fundamental beliefs, then you're not having this. And so it's, it's such a, a funky thing to me, I think, since going through seminary. Because mm-hmm. pre-seminary, I probably would have said like, yeah, you, you have to believe those those fundamental beliefs pretty strictly if you want to call yourself a Seventh-day Adventist. Mm-hmm. Um, but since studying those in seminary, I don't remember which professor it was, but one of them said, you know, sometimes we misuse the way the fundamental beliefs are worded
3: because mm.
1: yes, those things are voted by the church in general conference session, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. But he said that originally they were developed to kind of be a display to the world of like, hey, this is what we believe. And so if mm-hmm. someone was to ask you, like, well, what does Seventh-day believe in? You could say, well, here, like, this is what we believe. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not supposed to be used as like a gatekeeping tool to decide how Adventist you are. Because so for me, I think it's super fascinating that if you go around the world, like yes, the family piece I mentioned earlier is Mm -hmm. very true, but also you will find that Adventism is done very differently all around the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of variance when you get down to the nitty gritty of Seventh-day Adventist beliefs. And if you talk Mm -hmm. to pastors, and mm-hmm. members all around the world about those fundamental beliefs and the nitty gritty details of them. There's a lot of variance of what people yeah. think. Like yeah. we tend to agree on the big overarching stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get into the details is where there's a lot of variance among Seventh-day Adventists. Hmm. And I think that that, if we use it right is a strength in our church yeah. rather than a weakness. Yeah. Because if we all thought exactly the same, that Mm -hmm. could maybe be not a great thing at times, but that variance of belief, it causes us to dialogue. Sometimes that dialogue turns into argument, maybe not so Mm -hmm. healthy, but the the intellectual dialogue and the dialogue between scholars on the details of what we believe as Seventh-day Adventists is very fascinating. And seminary taught me that it's okay to have that dialogue basically, and to Mm -hmm. question the details. And you're still a Seventh-day Adventist, even if you're questioning pieces of our fundamental beliefs because of our belief in like the present truth idea that like God could reveal something new to us. There Mm -hmm. could be something that we've missed before, like Mm -hmm. Ellen White and her time frame. Like they didn't think that once they died, that was it. Nothing could ever be Mm -hmm. changed ever again or God could never again reveal any new truth. Like they knew that this this thing, this Seventh-day Adventist worldwide thing that had started, that God could reveal something new to us and could use us in new ways. And so I think that's something now as a pastor I'm trying to be more open-minded about is that there can be a lot of variance within Seventh-day Adventism. And part of that comes from my experience in different churches. Like I have participated in very traditional churches and very what a lot of people would call like the conservative end of the church. I've been in churches that were extremely liberal or churches that did things that other Seventh day Adventists would say, Oh, you're not Adventist. Right. Um, and Adventist enough or something. So it's kind of funny to me because it's, it's like each, this is where like the power in Seventh day Adventism really is at the local level. Cause each church gets mm-hmm. to decide how they're going to worship God together and mm-hmm. practice those beliefs in their local setting.
0: Yeah. that kind of brings up the question to go back to the uniqueness of, of your position, at least the uniqueness compared to, to, to Anthony and I specifically Um, because there is that funny thing of like, here you are, your, your conference, um, the conference I serve in uh, the union that you serve in. I don't know if the union that I'm part of, no Pacific Union, I think, has also come out in support of women's ordination. You know, it was like unions are out of compliance. You know, it's so like you're serving in what mm-hmm. has been titled out of compliant uh, <laughs> local organizations, <laughs> right? Yeah, apparently, mm-hmm. right. So it's that funny thing where it's like, well, then who? Yeah, who gets to decide? And it sounds like what you, where you fall, is that the the local church ultimately gets to to decide what Adventism is to a certain. Degree, I am mean, obviously, like there has there's some set of like unifying stuff, but. But really, if you're gonna not go crazy, the the local church really gets to define a, a large amount of what it means to be Adventist. Is that what I'm hearing you? Kinda. say of. I think I would yeah. say
1: that in reality, that's what happens.
0: Oh, um, interesting. Yeah.
1: In mm-hmm. reality, that's what happens, and and I say this like I have a very unique view of Adventism right now because, um, surprise, surprise, I am on the North American Division Executive Committee.
4: Oh wow. And Oh, that's so what fancy. it was. I was trying to remember because I knew you were on some sort of NAD committee, but that's yeah. what it was Okay.
1: Yeah. And that has been so fascinating to yeah, see like? how policies are made and decisions are made at that level of the church.
3: Yeah. Mm. And
1: and it's interesting because it's it's like it's really not that different. It feels a lot more intense maybe and important,
2: yeah. mm-hmm. um, but
1: it's not that different from maybe how things go in a local church board meeting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um,
2: so, so nothing gets yeah. done. You talk too long, <laughs>
1: sometimes maybe, but being a part of it has humbled me because it's, I didn't
3: it's, say it. it's,
1: it's, it's made me realize like I get the chance to sit at a table, a big table, um, and an important table and be a part of making decisions that impact a lot of people's lives and careers.
3: Yeah. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, so it's interesting because it's like I'm at the local level most of the time in my local mm-hmm. church. I also participate in, in certain committees and things at the conference level of my local conference. Yeah.
3: I mm-hmm. also help
1: out a little bit with stuff at my union and, 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 and in contact with them about certain things and then also at the NAD level. And it's been fascinating to kind of see how those different levels operate yeah. and interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And so... Practically, yes, on a week to week or a day-to-day basis, the local church is really what's dictating how Seventh-day Adventism appears to the world.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But on an organizational level, like the organization also does with making mm-hmm. policies and, and deciding how we're gonna present ourselves as as an organization, as a church.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's it's kind of both and, I guess. Natalie- <laughs> So if, yeah. if
4: I could follow up, I think part of why this question is important is because we have such a vast spread, right, as you have alluded to, we have such a vast spread of interp- of answers to this question. And, you know, you've given an answer here, um, but when we interviewed Ted Wilson, he was very much like, 28 fundamental beliefs, if you don't confess these... You're not an Adventist, essentially. He didn't um, say I'm, that he, word. He didn't for say word that. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Paraphrasing. I'm <laughs> paraphrasing with fresh with fresh fries. I'm paraphrasing uh, him, but that was essentially um, the spirit, um, what I heard. And um, Yeah. So, in, you know, when we interviewed the ex-Adventist, he essentially was saying, you know, as Jesse said, a similar thing. Like, if if you don't assent to these, you're pretty much, you're not really an Adventist. You're kind of like a fake Adventist. You're you're <laughs> an Adventist light. So I I guess what we're trying to discern and I think what a lot of people feel people who listen to this podcast and our friends people you know we know um a lot of young adults I think especially feel like man if I don't maybe agree with every single one of these things on this list does that mean I'm not an Adventist or if mm-hmm. I have a different interpretation or if I you know don't know if God created the world in 6 literal days or if I don't you know have some questions about eschatology or Ellen White, or whatever. Um,
0: Eschatology is end time. Sorry, just nobody knows what that means outside of us <laughs> as pastors. I don't think Sean, I don't even think Sean knows what that means. <laughs> I'm, just I'm, just I'm just so kidding. glad you
2: said it for me, Jesse. I, <laughs> right. I was not in the same exact class as you were at Walla Walla <laughs> yeah. or
0: anything like that. Sean, you have a religion. You have a religion major, which again, we're not about putting ourselves <laughs> in pedestals, right? but, but but if we're talking yeah. about it, that is the lower pedestal. It's true. So religion be, over
2: theology. theology. It's <laughs> true. No,
0: it's theology it's over true. religion. Sean, it's I just true. want to be very clear.
3: So.
2: Yeah, that's fine. But I, I was gonna to ask, say, no, really yeah. quick, Natalie, yeah, yeah, Sean. are there well, any? Actually, sorry,
4: Sean, Sean, sorry, le- let me. I feel like I, I, feel, I feel like I didn't really it's, even. Answer. It's it's okay. You You're are the a theology major, something. so you can talk first. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Sean. You get, See, you get priority. Sean, we're beating you
2: get priority.
0: Sean into compliance. This is perfect. Yeah. This so, is the compliance committee. We're, yeah, we're exactly. a microcosm.
4: All of this to say, Jesse, do you want to mi- define microcosm for the? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> All of this to say, who? I guess that's really the core question, and why we did this. We did this series. Um, we, we wanted to know exactly mm-hmm. wh- who
3: decides.
4: Yeah, who decides and, and can I call myself an Adventist if I disagree with someone else who, and especially if I disagree with someone on the GC level who says, no, you need to, this is what makes an Adventist. Yeah. Um, is there is there room?
1: Yeah, I guess my my short response to that of how I think about it, I think is because I serve as a local pastor Um, Mm -hmm. and because like, I, I love theology and it's super fascinating to me, but I'm also a very practical person, um, when it comes to ministry and the bulk of what I end up doing on a week to week basis is, is more conversational with people of checking in on their life and where they're at and their spiritual Mm -hmm. health and relationship with God, their mental health, how they're really doing on the deep level. And so my perspective for myself has always been in my faith. If I want to change the organization, I can't do that from outside of it.
3: Mm -hmm. I can only
1: do that from inside of it. And so if I want to see things change in a positive direction, like just using the example of being a female pastor, if I want to give other little girls Mm -hmm. the chance to imagine themselves doing that someday, I can only do that by being that myself. Mm. Um, And that's not like the sole reason I'm a pastor or anything. But it is something I hold on to in times when I'm discouraged of like, well, part of the reason that I'm here is to hopefully make a positive difference in the Adventist church going forward. And so that's what I try to encourage people who are questioning, who Mm -hmm. are maybe like, you know, I don't know if I really agree with every single thing in the 28 fundamental beliefs, but Mm -hmm. most of it I do believe in. And I believe the Bible, or I do have this connection with God. I do believe in a lot of the Adventist church stuff and I feel connected to it, I'm not going to tell that person, oh, well, you're not an Adventist. And so you have to leave, go find somewhere else to worship God. You can't worship with us. Like the practical side of me as a pastor is not going to say that to somebody instead. I'm like, well, let's explore together. Like let's journey together Mm. and ask the deep, hard questions that we don't know the answers to. Let's be brave enough to face that. And it's okay if you don't have all the answers. I certainly mm. don't. <laughs> I don't know yeah. everything, and it's okay to to question and to ask and to still identify as a Seventh Day Adventist, or to cho- choose not to identify as a Seventh Day Adventist, but maybe still ident- or still attend an Adventist church. I have a number mm. of people in old, like every church I've been in. I think there's people who come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a week-to-week mm-hmm. basis, that I would say, Yeah, they're a part of my church. That's a Sunday Adventist church. But if I asked them, they're they would not. say, Oh, I'm not a Sunday yeah. Adventist yet. Like, I don't know if I believe in mm-hmm. all that stuff, but maybe they've been there for a decade or something.
2: <laughs> so that's right. where it, it's kind so, of
3: funny. It's like, what? yeah.
2: <laughs> there's yeah. there's so many questions I could ask in response. I, I want to play devil's advocate, but but even before I do, I just actually want to admire that that conclusion you've come to because mm-hmm. we've spoken to some others too that it, it you know, we talk about this process even just being in this journey with God of understanding him and what it means to be a christian a follower of jesus you know and and mm-hmm. we can get into the idea of sanctification right this idea that we are becoming more um like god he is he is refining us and when oh, Sean, when you talk I'm so about this idea that word. when you ta- <laughs> thank you uh, it's only because i love hymns and anthony knows i love old timer songs like refiner's sure fire yeah um, classic but oh. no no classic. but in all seriousness the, the challenge, you know, that happens in Adventism is the, the way that we intellectualize everything mm. to the point of mm. we are either in or out. You're in the remnant or you're not. Um, and we struggle as a denomination to have this idea of a spectrum of Adventism and yeah. be okay with that. Uh, yeah. You know, this idea of being on a journey spiritually, as much as we'd like to say that we uh, believe in that as a denomination, in practice we have a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow mm-hmm. because either that's we're true. right or wrong is the attitude. And so to, and my mind immediately goes there too, Natalie, is this idea of, is there really a point where someone in your church, if they believed something or didn't believe something to be truly a non-negotiable? It's like, um no, you're, you're clearly no longer Adventist. Like at what point, mm-hmm. you know, can it happen mm-hmm. where, you know, you know, and, and the fear is relativism. The idea that if, if, uh, you know, everyone can truly believe and and be on such a wide journey, you know, what is it, you know, do we lose our identity in Adventism? Mm -hmm. And maybe the question I'll ask you is, you know, is, is there a certain point where that, that is the case where we lose our identity? Is that, is that something to be concerned about? Mm -hmm. Um, is losing Adventist identity or is that really Mm -hmm. something we've blown out of proportion?
1: I think, honestly, I think it's blown out of proportion because again, what I see on the local level, that's not a huge problem. Mm. Um, I think on the organizational level is where we blow it out of proportion is when we're having conversations at higher levels of the church um, Mm -hmm. or where we're talking about big policy changes or the wording changes in our beliefs or those those kinds of things, or maybe even just in seminary classes where we address that kind of stuff or in mm-hmm. seminars, weekend seminars, um, that tends to be where it kind of gets blown up a lot. But at the local level, at least in my experience, I haven't seen that too badly, but that also might be because I don't think I've ever served in a church that's really extreme on one end of the Adventist spectrum or the other. Um, and as a female in this conference, with the kind of churches we have in Washington Conference, like there are certain churches I will never serve in just by being female. Um, yeah. So I will never see that end of the spectrum, maybe. Um,
3: yeah.
1: But yeah, I don't know. And this is where I also wondered. When you asked me about this podcast am i really the right person to answer this (laughs) i'm not quick on my feet with with theological stuff um you're killing it (laughs) but i think i think about this too sometimes of like at what point you know at what point have you reached the edge of the avenue spectrum and fallen off into something else
0: into yeah. the abyss of, into the abyss of, uh, of, of heresy the, uh, of the, yeah, all the heresy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know.
2: Babylon. Yeah, no I guess, but I that's, I, I appreciate you it. even that's saying a good that question though.
0: I appreciate you saying that Natalie, because like it does, what you're saying about the local level, like it is funny because there are, you know, for instance, there's churches that they come out and they're like, we're, well, we're now we're anti-Trinitarian. We don't even believe that, you know, God is three mm-hmm. in one. And it's stuff like that that you're like, oh, oh so like, yeah. the, you're like you're oh, going like full okay. like you're going back to the very beginning of Christianity like That's I true. disagree with that like there there's maybe like hierarchies around some of this stuff that definitely like it is something to be to Alden be Thompson addressed. has a great model for this you guys shut you up, got,
2: you guys gosh. remember Alden Thompson? <laughs> uh, all, I'm assuming all four Natalie of us, I'm, I'm assuming Natalie remembers Alden Thompson what's in the professor
0: what's in the Alden? key <laughs> Sean, shut up Nobody <laughs> wants to hear. It. Well, all four of us had a professor who We've talked about this before. He, he taught multiple classes, and in every single class, it was the exact same content. And, and on his exams, class he would
4: write, "What is the professor's view of this?" <laughs> yeah, 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 it yeah. wasn't even.
0: <laughs> um, so that's what Sean is referencing. Uh, we we uh, yeah no it's 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 interesting because it's like maybe there is hierarchy around what ultimately matters. You don't believe that Jesus is God. There's there's some issues that come yeah, out of that that may true. may have some sort of like, yeah, I don't know how that works. You're but not really a Christian you're not even falling off the spectrum of Adventism. Yeah. That's the spectrum of That's Christianity, like, which yeah. is even bigger, you know? Um and uh or like you even you run into you run into stuff like uh uh well, but then, then you run into stuff like creationism and stuff. It's like, you know, there's lots of people who there's just, there's a struggle of, I don't exactly know, and I'm okay with Mm -hmm. not knowing whether it was six literal days or if it was a different way. And there's, there's questions that are, that I don't like that are unanswered in the, it's not six literal days. And there's questions that come up with six literal days. Like there's, but then there's like the, okay, let's hold that intention maybe, you know, and, and, and struggle through that. But then there's, and maybe it's, so that brings me to like, maybe it's even a bit about your spirit. How much of it is like, I'm really wrestling with this. I don't understand. I don't know. And I still want to be part of this family and I still want to grow with it. Or how much of it is like the family has to coalesce all around what I believe, you know, versus Mm. I wonder how much of it boils down to those things. And it's way easier. And I think the struggle, and we all, we will always have this as humans. The struggle will always be, it's easier to, to create the, the lines and say, this is in, this is out. Because yeah. then it, at True. least it's consistent, right? At least it's like, well, okay, because part of the problem is like, okay, we set lines here, but then, oh, well, this person now is in a different church, is saying different things. But then they're pointing to the other church He's like, well, you let him do that, you know, so, that, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. then it, it gets messy and it gets complex. And I don't have an answer for that, but it is interesting, I think, to, to really engage with what you're saying that there— If you're going to be realistic as well as the philosophical ideas of like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's at some point there's fences around Adventism, but maybe they're just a lot wider or they're a lot less clear than we have made them. But at the same time, like maybe it is just at the realistic local level from a realistic day-to-day perspective, you have to deal with it in in there. And maybe if it is something that's starting to rise to the level where it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger, that's where other levels of of Adventism start to address those things. But it's just an interesting like I'm just thinking about that as it's not clean. But also life life isn't clean. Like life isn't just these clear, clearly delineated things all the time. But I'm glad Mm -hmm. you
1: brought that up though, because I don't think I was thinking of it in that way when we were initially talking about this. And it does bring up like Yes. Also, as a pastor, there are times when I have genuine concerns about certain Sabbath school teachers and what they're teaching or what someone is is doing when they're interacting with their kids and how they are mentoring our young people and what they're saying to them. Those kinds of things are concerns to me because I have Mm -hmm. seen how damaging theology can be if used yeah. wrongly yeah, and yeah. so this is kind of the other side of the coin maybe to how i was thinking of it is like yes there does need to be some structure within our yeah,
3: for sure. our
1: seventh day adventist i guess beliefs or whatever um because like the the anti-trinitarian beliefs that have creeped into some areas of our church and that kind of stuff like there are things like that that can be very, very damaging. Last generation theology can be very damaging, and I have, I have seen young people's lives just be ripped up by this stuff. Yeah. For so sure. that's where it is. Like, yeah, we do need to wrestle with it carefully, and we do need to think about. I think as leaders, especially those of us that have responsibility, like I do at the local level, think about like, okay as an Adventist organization around the world, this is what we believe. And how do I make sure that that's safely being practiced in a healthy way while still Mm -hmm. allowing for questions within my local church? And I'll share a story here, I guess, and I'll try and be careful about how I share this story. But there was a situation, this is many years ago, with a young person um, who I'd known for many years of their life. And I reconnected with this person when they were a little bit older. And they shared with me, about what had happened in those in-between years where Mm. they had been kind of taken off as a young person to one of these areas where Adventism is being practiced in a very extreme way to the point where I feel Mm -hmm. like they were on the edges of Seventh-day Adventism and some Mm. of their theology was very damaging. (laughs) And this young person told me stories of how prayer meeting was not prayer meeting, but was rather... The leaders or the grownups in the church critiquing this this young person um, mm. and saying, "Well, well, you did this and you dressed this way and you did these things, and so mm. that's all your sins this week, and you need to repent mm. for them." And there was wow. just some like really, really damaging stuff.
0: Wait, 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 wait what's person, wrong with that? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesse's like, well, "That's what we do every week." Uh, yeah, that's oh. what I'm doing with my kids right now. Wait, hold on, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding.
4: I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: But just imagine that like being sense, yeah. like a teenager and yeah. you go to church and this is what's happening because of the theology that the adults yeah. believe in. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is how they're treating the young person. Thank goodness. Like it was, it was kind of on the edge of like abusive, some of the yeah. stuff that oh, was yeah. told to me.
0: I mean, that sounds um, like it, yeah.
1: Thankfully that young person got out of, of that situation and is in a much healthier place now. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I know of them, they're in a much healthier place now. But it was an example to me of like, okay, yes, there are some times where if you're skirting on the edge and and your beliefs really don't align with Seventh-day Adventism anymore, Mm -hmm. like this is this is damaging and I wouldn't want the Seventh-day Adventist name to be associated with what's going on in that church or that place you Mm -hmm. know and in this case I'm talking about a situation that I would say was on the very extreme conservative side if that makes Mm -hmm. sense I hate using those terms honestly like conservative and liberal so hopefully nobody listening gets offended by those I just can't think of better terms right now to use Um, so this church was kind of on that extreme extreme side with how they were doing some things Um, and I'm sure on the other end of the spectrum too there could be some damaging things being done um but that's where i think like it's the responsibility of those of us who are leaders in the local churches not just employees but also like local elders and sabbath school teachers and whatever to be in constant dialogue with each other growing our faith studying our bibles together and making sure that like what we're teaching is sound and mm. is I, not damaging
0: <laughs> i think yeah. a piece of it is like um i was talking with josh who's the lead pastor of anthem here and we were talking about like, what does it mean to be a disciple? And he was just kind of going back. It really hinges on this idea of openness. Like, are you open to God? Are you open to that's true? His, him and his heart for you? Like, are you open to that? And if you are, then it creates a whole world of of opportunity with mm-hmm. God. And I wonder how much of it is like, that is a key piece of of how we even move forward together as Adventists. Like, what does it mean to be an Adventist? It's almost like openness has to be a piece of what you believe to be important, especially just, you know, if you're going to take theology out of it, just from like a person-to-person standpoint, because you're right. I mean, like I run into people who it's not like we differ on belief systems across the board and it's such nuance. It's like, it's small little things that end up mattering yeah. so much to somebody because they experience. let's say someone experienced an abusive spiritual situation. So they don't mm-hmm. want to go back to like the old way of talking about things because it was so damaging to them. Yeah. And, but here I am like, well, I think those things are important. And so, you know, there can be fights and battles between those things, but really it comes down to like, if there's a heart of openness for the other person, if, if it's mutual, then it feels like you can get through a lot, and you can even disagree mm-hmm. on a lot, and still walk together on it, or even just grow in towards like a sense of balance from that space. Mm-hmm. But it feels like when we create, when we create the hard lines, especially to some degree unnecessarily, and I don't know how to define that. Yeah, um, it, that's when you start creating division out of out of what doesn't have to be division. And yeah. I wonder how how much we have done that as a church simply out of a because we lack openness towards one another. Liberals towards conservatives and vice versa. Mm. Um mm-hmm. and it, there's there it, it's just it it ends up being really damaging. And and so that's where like what you're saying and what you're bringing out Natalie about there's almost this realistic practice at the local level that ends up being how Adventism is actually lived out. Mm -hmm. And that, and in that space, that is where it matters the most to engage, Mm -hmm. right? Like, yes, maybe the stuff at the higher levels, like that is important. It's not that that's unimportant, but like that's the space that matters most to engage. And then even as you're talking about, if we're going to add onto that idea of like, and if I leave, I don't get to define what local Adventism looks like. You know, that's not to shame people into staying by any means, but maybe yeah, it's like definitely. something that is speaking yeah. to somebody's heart of just like, yeah, like if I leave, then the children and my, you know, the, the kids that I care about, I don't want them to end up going <laughs> through what I went through. Well, I have the opportunity mm-hmm. to to help them not. And there's, there's that kind of stuff that starts to play into itself of like, okay, I can still be an Adventist and not have to like fit within these specific, like really tight, closed in boundaries. Um, and yet still... Consider myself part of the family. Like that's I I don't know. That just it feels like a far, a far more gentle way to be a follower of Jesus, especially and in the Adventist context. That's
1: yeah, because that's my personality, I suppose. Mm. Like I would describe myself as a gentle follower of Jesus. Yes. I, think. We,
0: I, we, I think all of us so, would agree with that about with that about you. My
1: perspective, yeah, but it's what you made me think of. Is just that it's all of this is super multifaceted. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, at the local level, a lot of people don't pay attention to what happens at the NAD level or the GC yeah. level or the yeah. policies that get made. Like us, us pastors or pet teachers or people who are into it, we do.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. A lot of local people do not. <laughs> Some yeah. local yeah. people don't even know what those things are. Yeah. And, and so that's where, like, the faith is practiced at the local level. But I think this is also where it's really important that every level of the church organization which i didn't think i'd be talking so much about but <laughs> it's come into it somehow it's really important to be listening to the holy spirit mm. and here's where we kind of come back to what sean mentioned earlier sanctification and, mm-hmm. and those things growing in jesus and everything um it's super important to have an actual living breathing relationship with jesus first yeah. of all mm. and be then listening to the spirit in your life Hmm. because i also sadly have met a lot of 7th day adventists and this is common in the local church i think who are just cultural adventists if that makes sense since we talked about that aspect who are only at church because they're used to it Mm -hmm. and when they go home or it's what they grew up with or whatever and that's where their friends are but when they go home or in their private time like They have zero connection with God on their own. They maybe have never felt what a relationship with God feels like. And to me, that's heartbreaking just because I have experienced that and how beautiful and Mm. freeing it is. And so Mm -hmm. I want that for every single person. But I know that there's a lot of people who don't have that and yet would call themselves Sunday Adventist and would read the beliefs and say they agree with all of it. But it's it's a logical thing rather than like a, a heart thing. Yeah, And so yeah, yeah. for me, I, and this ties back to my story, even as a kid, I think the very first call I felt from Jesus was to share that you can have a relationship with him and yeah. share what that was mm-hmm. like for me and encourage other people to have their own individual relationship with Jesus too. Mm-hmm. And explore what it what it's like to be led by the spirit and ask god bold things ask him to guide you ask him to lead in your life and see what happens and for me it's powerful because god has done huge things in my life as a result of those kinds of prayers and i've experienced just transformative stuff um which is probably why i still stick with religion to this day Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um but it's yeah. That's just something I I want to encourage for everybody. Is like that's that's at the core of it, is is having that that focus on Jesus, that relationship, personal relationship with Him. Because who cares about all the theological decisions we're making if we don't actually sure. have a relationship with Jesus? We could argue Bible yeah. facts all day long, but none of that is yeah. anything
2: yeah. if it's not being led yeah. by the Spirit. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. Well, Natalie. I know that when we were discussing you coming on the podcast, you were, as you mentioned already, like, oh, who am I to come on and everything like that? But <laughs> number one, I'll say this who are we, right? The three of us are just no, we're nobodies too. Uh, and the second piece I'll say is it's so important to have this conversation with someone in the local context, a local pastor. And so even though we have had conversations with conference leaders, um, you know, Ted Wilson, other leaders, This conversation is equally, if not more important, because like you've said, and actually other guests we've had on that, what actually happens in our church happens at the local level. And so your experiences, your stories, what Mm -hmm. you've gone through um, is so important for others to hear, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what's going on in our church in reality. Like, it's important to hear from our church leaders, too. But for us to know what it means to be avenous, we need to talk to those that have their boots on the ground, so to speak, mm-hmm. like the people mm-hmm. that are doing it every week at the local context. Um, so again, thank you for being willing. I know that you said you didn't feel like you could think on your feet, but you mm-hmm. did. I think you did amazing just to fantastic uh, share your Thanks, stories, uh, share your perspective. <laughs> and so we appreciate you taking the time to to do well, this. If I, if I could just mm-hmm.
0: brag on Natalie and you know, I just, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Natalie, like, one of the things that has been really cool for me um, is to have the opportunity to work with several different female pastors, um, and it's one of those things. And I'll just out myself on where where I stand on this if, if it's not clear. But like, it is shocking to me.
4: Jesse's anti-women's ordination. He is, yeah.
2: he is <laughs> Walter in.
0: Walter Weith level. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, anti-w. What I want now is to put somebody in their place. No, uh, what. I... <laughs> No, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, it's it's shocking to me. It's absolutely shocking to me, having had the opportunity to work with you and other female pastors. Like, how can you say that God hasn't called you and mm, them? Like, yeah, I've seen the calling of God laid out on your life. I've seen how you have you bring a your unique uh, uh, personality and an image bearing uh, 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 relationship with God into your pastoring, mm-hmm. and that is huge. It's it's like it's it's it is. I don't know how to how else to describe it if you don't know natalie then then if you meet her it will become an immediately clear that <laughs> natalie is Aww. natalie is so she is not only is she kind not only is she is she um incredibly compassionate but also like you're solid like it, it a lot of the time people might say like some people are kind and compassionate like yeah, they do that, but sometimes Mm -hmm. people might, people maybe who are more my, my, uh, my, my natural way of thinking. It's like, (laughs) oh, well, but where's the logic? Where's the theology? Where's all of that? But Like you're all of, you have all of that. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate Mm -hmm. about you is your holistic perspective. And you even pointed it out in this conversation that like, it's, it's incredible to me that you, you, you have grown up into this space of, of knowing your call of God and yet having a, a space on earth that doesn't acknowledge it, you know, that you work for technically. Um, And yet you can look at the organization means and see it like, I I see value there. I Mm -hmm. I see the value of how all of this plays together.
4: That alone is wild because I. that must be difficult. And maybe it's kind of like what you said with the stocking thing, maybe a little different, but (laughs) how it's just so normalized for you that you don't even... Consider yeah. <laughs> it like, oh yeah, the organization I work That's for doesn't really weird. fully acknowledge me <laughs> as a, yeah. you know, like a competent and,
0: employee.
2: Yeah. And people have asked us to talk about, you know, women, when are you going to talk about women's ordination as a topic on the podcast, which we haven't <laughs> Actually,
0: done. we technically started out with it, but haven't talked about it since really.
2: Yeah. That's I true. mean, but not as a, but not as a specific um, topic in itself, like the debate, you know, Yeah. and I'll just answer it with this. Like when we have people like you on Natalie, it's become abundantly clear beyond the doctrine I just simply respond to anyone that asks, okay, how do we go with this verse or this passage or whatever? Because we've, we've, we've argued endlessly over this topic as a church to the point where Mm -hmm. when Ted Wilson came on to our podcast, he said straight (laughs) up. And, and, and again, this is nothing against him. He just told us before recording, I will not Mm -hmm. talk about women's ordination. Um, You know, it's It's become such a, it's become an exhausted topic, but, but my beyond doctrine, right? There's different sides on, on women's ordination beyond doctrine evidence of your ministry, along with many other female pastors yeah. that we've worked with, conference leaders, it, the fruit is abundantly clear that the yeah. Spirit is working uh, in it. female <laughs> leaders within the Adventist church. And so beyond the doctrine, you see the fruit of what's happening uh, in your story
3: uh, mm-hmm. and
2: in others. So that's that's partly my answer is, there's what do we need to discuss at this point? You can see the evidence.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, so and anyways, I have, yeah.
1: I have examples of that. Like, here's maybe why I stick with it is the little nuggets God gives me to, to pull me through. So <laughs> the ordination topic, that's a, that's a whole thing of its own. Sure. If you want to study sure. where it comes from, if you want to make a, a Catholic church joke in Adventism <laughs> <laughs> and Adventism silly issues with that comes from the Catholic church guys. Anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's a funny thing. It's it's a topic worth studying though. I have a lot of peace on, on it now, sure. but, mm. um, but there's a couple things that stand out to me that God has done that have let me know that I am called by him or ordained by him if we want to mm. use that, that word.
3: Mm-hmm. And so I
1: just feel like I don't have to worry about it. So one moment that was just really special to me. Um, I don't remember if any of you were on this trip. If so, I apologize for forgetting, but I went on, one of the Bible Lance tours with Carl Kosart, one of our professors at Walla Walla. Classic. Was such an awesome tour. Um, and we ended up being in Ephesus, uh, a place where female leadership was very present in Bible times in, in the mm. church there. The night that the, I think it was 2015 vote on women's ordination was happening.
3: Oh, wow. That's the yeah.
1: date. That's where we were. And I was on this trip and there was a few other theology guys there from from my my Walla Walla theology people. And Mm -hmm. they did something really sweet. They took me down to the edge of the water. We were like on the Aegean Sea overlooking this beautiful Mm. sunset. They took me down and they said, we're going to pray over you right now. And this is going to be your ordination service.
3: Oh, wow. And it was,
1: like, I was crying. I
3: mean, you yeah. can imagine.
1: It was so sweet. Like I remember beautiful. that moment oh to this day. Each one of them prayed such affirming things over me, yeah. how they had mm. seen God move in my life. And so as I graduated, I just held on to that because um, I was, I graduated right in that season, like 2015, yeah. right when that vote happened, it was a right. real weird time to go into ministry. Oh my as God. Yeah. 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 But I had peace because of that. And then also now, because of something God has done in every single one of the churches that I've ever been in, where there are people that have issue with it, I find this thing happens where often mm. women actually will come up and privately and very gently and kindly tell me that they are a little uncomfortable with having a female pastor, mm. but they want to be kind and respectful towards me. And mm-hmm. there have been multiple women who have told that to me early on when I'm at their church. And Uh thankfully, all of them have been super kind and super respectful. And most of them have chosen, like I remember one of them, she said, I feel like God is telling me that even though I don't agree with this, I should call you pastor. So I'm going to call you Pastor Natalie. Uh So in every circumstance, they've been kind about it. But God has done this amazing thing where I've chosen, I'm never going to argue with people about it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just going to let God make up his mind with them. Um, Holy Spirit do his thing. And every church, by the end of my time there,
0: mm-hmm. the
1: same people, every single one of them, have come up to me privately and said, God has changed my mind. I now wow. understand why there should be women in ministry because I've yeah. seen God work through you. And it's, so uh, I'm going to wow. encourage our little girls now to yeah. do stuff for Jesus. <laughs> Dang. so that makes it worth it. That's I don't cool. have to argue it. Like the Holy Spirit can do that all all on yeah.
0: his own. God does wow. it. Yeah. That's cool. That makes me almost like I'm on the verge of tearing up on that, just hearing mm-hmm. that because Natalie, that's so cool. And just your faithfulness of following God through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so cool to see the ripple effects of, of what God does through faithfulness. And mm-hmm. it's the ripple effects of, I mean, you said it earlier, but like, even if those girls don't become pastors, it's a completely different world that there has been opened up to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they do, do I mean, that's amazing too, but it's just like, it's the, it's the, not only has your faithfulness through, like just, it's done the, the, the normal pastoral things, but like you've done stuff that, that Anthony and I can never do. You know, because of because of who you are and how God has called you, Mm -hmm. and that's just that's I love that God does that, and then second, I just love as an affirmation to you the faithfulness of yeah graduating in that season and just being like, okay, God, (laughs) like they just like it was just said that I I, I'm not technically supposed to be a pastor in this organization, so I'm going to do it, (laughs) and I'm graduating right into that. Okay, let's see how this goes. Very (laughs) stubborn. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that's, what's so cool. And so I, you know, just as a, as a coworker, as, as a, as a friend, a colleague, um, yeah, a colleague, like it's, it's, uh, it is a a really amazing thing. And Natalie, there's, there's a, I I say this to people. I'm like, there's a few people that I know that are pastors that I'd be like, I'd let you be my pastor and you're one of them. So I just I want you to, I would mean it. I just want you to know that. So, but, um, we do need to, to, to run, but I just wanted to, uh, to say Natalie, if, um, if, there is anyone out there who is like, should I be a pastor? And they're kind of in the same situation as you. What would you say to them?
1: I'd say, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation about it because there's so much I could say. It's <laughs> it's a hard career. I'll be honest yeah. about that. It's not an easy mm. thing to do. Um, and you, you'll get beat up in the process. A lot of careers mm-hmm. experience that at some point. But I think it was... In, at walla walla our professors would tell us like if you can do anything else do it if not become a pastor and trust yeah. where god is is calling you i don't remember who, all of what they would say when they said that but yeah. just hold on to god make sure that you've got your relationship with him solid and you know that it's 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 god that's calling you and not you seeking man's approval um, yeah. or seeking fame or any of that kind of stuff um but it can also be a deeply, deeply fulfilling career. Like every Mm. week I'm touched by something. And for me, it's often kids, Mm -hmm. something that God does through kids that I get to work with. And I just feel so lucky on like a weekly basis. Like, wow, I get to do this as my job. I get to (laughs) see someone go through this healing as my job. I get to see someone grow in this way or improve their mental health or finally overcome something in their life. Like, I get to do that as my job. That's so cool. So it can be deeply fulfilling. And if it's a career that you're considering, like spend some deep time in prayer about it and then talk to some people who are doing it. See what it's like.
0: Wise. Thank you, Natalie. We appreciate you. Seriously. Thanks so much. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
3: This is fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
4: Well, all right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Seeking What They Sought. Before we rush to a close, wanted to just pause and say thank you. We are really, really grateful for you all—not only for listening, but for all the conversations that we've been having recently, uh, from emails and messages, DMs, uh, text messages you've sent us. If you know us, uh, we are just really, really grateful for those conversations. They're the reason we did this podcast, and uh, we're just really, really uh, grateful for you all. So, please, if you haven't, if you have thoughts and you haven't reached out, uh, please uh, send us an email um, or send us uh, just a DM on Instagram or, uh, or you know, drop a comment under one of the one of the posts. We would love to have conversations and uh, hear what you think. Now, if you didn't know, we actually have a Patreon. Uh, it's something that we mentioned uh, during the off-season, but we really, really wanted to up the ante and be a little more intentional, a little more professional uh, going forward with this new series and going forward with the podcast in general. So we have started a Patreon. There are some fun, cool perks that you get for signing up. It's going a long way to, to help us make more content like this uh, for you guys, and we, we really appreciate it. So if you want to support us, you can hit up the Patreon. There's a link in our, our, our bio on Instagram, and uh, we would be really, really grateful. Well, I think that's just about it. So we will see you guys next time on Seeking What They Saw.